the show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you. Learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life. And now I present to you the one, the only Rapid Results with Andrew Wise. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss. We have another wonderful guest today, Ryan England. And in case you're wondering who this Ryan guy is, as an owner and operator, Ryan's dad would regularly miss his bedtime or tell him he couldn't hang out on Saturday because he needed to go to the plant. He witnesses this very same thing happening in blue-collar businesses every day. He believes that service-based businesses are the lifeblood of the American economy, but sadly, staff shortages cripple far too many of them. Ryan founded Core Matters to support thousands of American families just like his, those who got into business for a better life, time freedom, and to be around to see their kids grow up. Welcome to Rapid Results. Ryan, please tell us what is the biggest and best business deal you're most proud of. Oh, you know, I've got two of them, but I'm going to just go with the one right now that comes to the top of mind. It was actually a client we were working with. They came to us and they were in the construction space and they were so far behind on their jobs that they might actually lose one of their, the big job, the one that put them on the map. Uh, their team was burning out because of all the overtime. It just, it was another couple of weeks of this and it would have just been a disaster. Well, we met and the owner sat me down and said, here's what I need. I need to hire 50 people now. And you know, I fire 50 people. And this is a smaller company. I mean, they were like 150 when we met them. So 50 people, I mean, that's, a third of their workforce. And I said, all right, well, let's follow this process that I've built and let's do it. 90 days later, they hired 51 people and they had filled every open position. All the overtime was gone. So the profits were back up because you know, anytime in your service business, if you have overtime that you didn't schedule for, uh, that just comes right off the bottom line. And then a year later, by following our process, the owner went from working 75, 80 hours a week to working 30 hours a week. And he says, I feel like I'm, I'm stealing from the company because <laughs> I only work 30 hours a week. Every Friday, he goes fishing. Like He doesn't even think about work anymore. He's built a successful leadership team, and he just transformed the whole business and the whole trajectory of their lives. Uh, their company is in position now where they, they could actually sell it if they wanted to. Like There's an asset that's not just them. Like It's just so many cool things. Um, and we've got a couple other stories like that where clients have come to us and said, hey, we just need to transform this thing and, and get it to the point where People want to come work for us. They want to stick around and we actually can trust them to do the work so we can get out of the day to day, which is the thing that always kept my dad working those crazy hours all those years. I love that. I love that. And I'm sure that just must feel so amazing. Just like growing up in a family, your dad was always working and then how you're able to help create that freedom for so many families and companies around the world to be able to make that a reality where they don't have to spend 70 hours a week. They can only spend 20 or 30 hours and then and then enjoy their freedom with whatever they want to do. So uh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, let's dive into the nitty gritty about that a little bit. So what do most people get wrong about creating job descriptions and selecting candidates? Oh, wow. That's, there's like six questions you just asked me there. <laughs> All right. So let me start with job descriptions. So the first thing that I think people get wrong with job descriptions is to remember that the thing that you post on Indeed or Career Builder or whoever you're using for your job postings, that thing you post there is not a job description. The thing that you post is an advertisement hmm. to apply for a position with your company. 
And we need to treat it as such as an advertisement. You can't take the thing that legal or HR wrote for you or that you wrote 10 years ago because you copied it off someone else's website. You can't take that thing and post it on Indeed and expect any kind of different results than what anybody else in the industry is getting because you're basically taking this, this thing that is just a list of bullet points that nobody cares about and putting it on Indeed. The, the principle here is you have to remember that people don't leave jobs. People leave managers. They leave bosses. They leave toxic company cultures. They leave poor communicating leadership teams. This is what they leave. Well, if we know that's what they leave, and, I, and I've done this in rooms of hundreds of people and everybody's like, oh, they leave people. Like we know this. So when we put that thing on Indeed, that job posting, we need to consider that an ad and we need to advertise the things we know that people are looking for. Well, if they just left a boss or a toxic culture or a poor communicating leadership team, that's what should be listed in that ad. Not, oh, you're going to turn this, the wrench this many hours a day and you got to produce this many widgets and you've got to do this and you've got to be able to use these tools. Like if you're hiring plumbers, plumbers know how to be a plumber. They know what it takes. You don't have to repeat that for them again. I, I, I sum it up like this. Think about Chevy when they're getting ready to launch the brand new model, the Corvette. Do they sit around the table, the advertising team and say, we've got to put together a commercial. We're going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars promoting this thing. Do we sit around and do we say, okay, here's the brand new Corvette. Starts at a hundred thousand bucks. You got to have good credit. By the way, it gets 12 miles to the gallon and You've got to bring it in after 250 miles because we're going to do this checkup. And at 3,000 miles, you got to rotate the tires. And it's a bulleted list of all the things you have to do to own the brand new Corvette. Do they do that? Or do they take a really attractive couple, top down, driving down the Pacific Coast Highway or on the beach, enjoying life, having a great time, and say, come check out the new Corvette? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's a great It's example. the same thing. We know that people people don't buy new cars because they want, well, some people do better gas mileage or easier to maintain or something like that. Most people buy a new car because they want comfort. They want lifestyle. They want bragging rights. They want all of those things. So that's what they sell in the commercial. So if we know that people are leaving jobs to find new companies to work for, new people to work for, that's what we need to be promoting in the ad. Mm, I, I love that. It's an example of having more fun with not just putting a job description, but a job advertisement. Um, so you're telling me you put in the job description advertisement, like if you just left your um, workplace because you were uh, tired of the toxic culture, we're the right fit for you because we're a culture built on collaboration, on teamwork, on improvement, on stuff like that. Like yeah. you actually put those kind of stuff into it? Oh yeah. Tired of being treated like a number? Did you just get passed over for that promotion you were promised for the last year? You tired of waiting for a review to find out if you're doing a good job or not? Let me tell you why we're different. We had one client real early on. This was years and years ago. And they had a, a very interesting culture. But one of the things that they really valued was swearing. Like they just, it was part of the culture. We swear <laughs> all the time. Uh, they even had conversations with some clients where they were cursing at each other. That was just normal. It was weird. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll never forget, I was sitting in the interview and all of a sudden the owner starts dropping F-bombs just out of the blue, like random. I'm like, dude, are you okay? <laughs> like, is there a medical condition? And he's like, and at the end he goes, no, here's the deal. We swear a lot here. And I need to know that they're comfortable with that. So if they get all squirmy and uncomfortable during the interview, then that tells me they're probably not a good fit. And I said, mm -hmm. 
I get it. I'm cool with that. But here's what I want to do. I want to rewrite your job ad and I want to put some F-bombs in your job ad. Yeah. And he's like, what? We, we can't do that. That's not okay. And I was like, so it's okay to mislead people because that's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you're telling them you're all warm and fuzzy and then you drop F-bombs because that's who you really are. Let's just put out who you really are. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't let me put F-bombs in the ads, but we did put a couple of curse words um, because he's like, yeah, okay, I, I can see how we can get towards that. And that was the whole idea. That's so interesting. Like uh, <laughs> <laughs> a company that prides itself on swearing. And then, uh, but I guess, yeah, it goes back to birds of a feather flock together. So people are like, well, I love swearing. I grew up in it, so I'm okay with this. So it's just we, a perfect fit for me. We had another client early on, the leadership team. There were five guys. They all went to high school together. They all went to college together. They all in the company together. Well, it's like a fraternity. Mm-hmm. And it was super passive aggressive. It just <laughs> was super passive aggressive. And I called them out on it one time and they're like, well, yeah, but we don't have to tell people that. I'm like, let me rewrite your job ad. And I rewrote job ad for the sales department because they were just dealing with massive turnover. And uh, I remember the sales leader, I sent him the ad and I go, here's what I would write to promote sales positions for you. And he reads it and he goes, I want to work here. This is so cool. What company is this? I said, this is you guys. But because he was what I was writing about, it connect- he connected with it. And so for him, he's like, I want to work here. I'm like, you do work there. I just (laughs) described it differently than you do. And so they started running with that ad. Turnover went way down. Sales production went way up because they started hiring people that thrived in a passive aggressive environment. (laughs) Doesn't mean that passive aggressive is bad. It's different. Doesn't, but there are some people that are going to thrive in a passive aggressive environment. They just do. Uh, Let's just call it out. This, this passive aggressive thing is always funny to me because like <laughs> I'm very like direct like how don't you dare be passive aggressive and like and I was in a fraternity and I can't imagine there being like a fraternity known for its passive aggressiveness and, and so I'm just trying to think of like like some examples of uh, passive aggressiveness in like in this workplace like um, like someone being like oh I noticed that you didn't do this uh, the other day uh, you, you jackass or something like that like what, what, well what are you are you feeling thing? okay Andrew um like are you sick because your numbers have been way down like, <laughs> <Okay>. that's <laughs> the garbage that would happen okay I see yeah and and so it just yeah it was it was different <laughs> but you know what they started thriving after that because a lot of this is and and this is usually step one I tell people is before you go out there and you post an ad or you start thinking about who you want to attract, figure out who you are first. Mm -hmm. Figure out who you are first and get really clear on that. Um, I remember Darren Hardy was telling a story where he was finally at a point in his life, he was successful and everything else, but he wanted to get married. And so he wrote down a list of all the traits that he wanted in a woman. And he looked at that and he goes, the woman I want is going to want nothing to do with me. And so he had to get really clear on who he was, maybe develop some of the things that he knew the woman he was looking for would want. And then it became much easier to attract the woman he wanted. Same thing happens in business. When you get really clear on what you have to offer and then you get really clear on who it is you want to attract and you find that there might be some disconnects, go fix those things and then you'll still have a much easier time connecting with people and attracting them to you. Uh, I, I love that. Yeah, just that the importance of a quote unquote <laughs> shotgun approach versus a uh, you know pick and choose your battles kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, I've been obsessed with a quote recently too that like lions, they don't spend their time going after mice in the fields. Like they're very, very calculated, taking time to go after the gazelles because the gazelles are their, their meal for the day, if not the week, where 
yeah, they could spend all this energy going after a mouse, but oh, I'll feed you for about 15 minutes. Like, it'd be kind of the same energy anyway to go after gazelles. So mm-hmm. um, I definitely love that. And all right, so I didn't realize I was asking six questions at once. So I'll, I'll uh, <laughs> I didn't even get to answer the second part of your question, which oh, was interviewing, yeah. right? Yes, correct. Yeah, that, that part, good um, memory. Yes. Yeah. So um, I would say that the number one problem I see in interviewing is when the candidate walks in the door, as the employer, we put on our Sunday best. We clean up the office. We make sure everybody's on their best behavior. We've got drinks in the fridge. Candidate walks in, we sit him at the table and we're like, and the first thing we do is look at me and go, Andrew, let me tell you why this is going to be the right company for you. And we vomit all over them for the next 20 minutes about all the cool things that they're going to be able to get, all the things we're doing, all the things we're doing to pour in our team, all the things we're doing to create a great company where people are going to succeed and there's going to be a career path and blah, 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 blah. And then the candidate, if they're not ready to walk out because they're bored to death, sitting there taking all this in. And then we start asking them questions. So Andrew, what are some career goals? And you're going, well, you just told me that one of your goals is X. So I'm just going to tell you my career goal is X and I'll have a better chance of getting it. So what we do is we vomit all of the answers to the test in the first 20 minutes of meeting them because we think we have to sell ourselves. We have to showboat, be that peacock and be like, look at me. And then we start asking them questions and then they just start regurgitating back everything we just told them for the last 20 minutes. Hmm. And the interview does not become a conversation. The interview does not become an opportunity for us to put our authentic selves out there on both sides because we both do it, right? That candidate comes in, you know what? They probably took a shower this morning, right? They maybe got some clothes without holes in it. And I know there's some people probably watching this going, are you kidding me? Let me tell you about some of the people that walk in. And talk to you, right? but, yeah. but they do. And we have this perception, especially in the United States, where we need to think, hey, I need to put my best foot forward. First impressions are the most important. I got five seconds to impress somebody, three seconds to grab their attention. We know all of these things. So what do we do? The candidate goes out there, they get a haircut, they buy some new clothes, they take a shower, they, they brush up on some of their interviewing skills, they rehearse some of their answers. But that's, that's not real. That's not who they are. Well, as employers, we do the same thing. Hey, everybody, we got this candidate. I'm really excited about clean up the office, be on your best behavior. Like we do the same thing. And what I'd rather see happen is we both put our authentic selves out there and says, no, this is who I really am. We ain't perfect. We don't have it all together. We curse like sailors. Like, let's just be honest with us. You know? And then, uh, you know, they, they, the candidate makes a big effort to make sure they're there on time, but they're not really on time. Like, let's talk about some of these things. Let's have these conversations. So we really get to find out who it is that we're going to be working with. And most interviews, I think the average interview length in this country is somewhere between 25 and 45 minutes. It depends on the industry. Um, I would say a lot in the blue collar space, 15 minutes is pretty good. 15 mm-hmm. minute interview. What can you find out about someone in 15 minutes? Mm. I mean, think about this. In some states in this country, it is easier to get divorced from your spouse than it is to fire an employee. Whoa. <laughs> would we ever spend 15 minutes with somebody before we married them? Some people do, but unlikely. <laughs> How does that work out? Right? That never yeah. works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is we spend the 15 minutes, they say all the things that we wanted to hear, they tell us they can do the work, and then we hire them. And then six weeks later, we're thinking, 
this isn't who I thought they were. And it's like, well, who did you think they were? You knew them for 15 minutes. Yeah. Anybody can fake it for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So spend more time with them. Get to know them. Have the difficult conversations up front. Like if you're going to fight with a candidate, if you're going to disagree about something, do it before they're an employee. Yeah, <laughs> it's way easier to say I'm not hiring you than it is to say you're fired. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what the, the biggest mistake that they make in the interview process is they spend too much time selling themselves and not enough time saying, how do we make sure we have an authentic conversation so we both get to really know each other? It, uh, as, uh, a lot of thoughts come to my mind about all that because one of my first things I'm thinking about, okay, like uh, I think you, the dating analogy of uh, you, don't, you don't meet someone 15 minutes before you want to marry them usually. But on a first date, you know, usually you want to make a good impression. Like, yeah, if you have a dirty room at home and a dirty car, like you wouldn't do your first date in your dirty room or dirty car. You'd be like, hey, here's you're right. I am. And of course, like as time goes on, you show them more and more of your life and more and more of your weaknesses and flaws or whatever. But if you start off by saying, hey, I'm a broke person living in my car, but uh, we should totally uh, see if things work. People are like, no, I'm not going to give you a chance. <laughs> yeah, but what if it was, hey, I'm showing up here. I'm a little uncomfortable. You know, I, I normally don't dress like this, but I know that first impressions matter. So I wanted to put together a good first impression because I really like you. Mm -hmm. And I've got some goals in my life. I'm ambitious about some things. Things are a little bit challenging right now. I've been living out of my car. I want to take things slow, but here's my plans for my life. Mm. Now, all of a sudden... She's probably sitting there going, okay, like he's thinking about more than just tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or is he going to go on a bender tonight? Like that's, she's thinking, wow, this guy actually has plans, has some ambition down on his luck right now. Yeah. We're going to take things slow. We'll see how it goes. But, but that conversation is a way different conversation than uh, racking up your credit card and taking her out to the best steakhouse and taking her out for a night on the town and then sitting here stressing over the next six months paying off that date night yeah and the whole time she thinks that's who you are until she finds out that you know she moves in with you and you're in debt up to your ears and you're hoping she'll help you bail you out you know yeah so but, but also there's also um the, the saying i forget uh who wrote the book um like pitch anything um but he says if you look hungry you'll starve and so if you're a candidate going for a job, you're like, hey, listen, I, I, I'm going to work hard, I promise, but I really need this job. I really got to pay some bills finally. Like, please, please hire me. Like, so what, what do you say in that situation? Well, I, I do think that there is a point where people get down on their luck. That's the reality. Like, sometimes bad stuff happens to good people. And I think that if you play the victim in that situation, it's not going to work out for you. Mm -hmm. But if you take ownership... For that, hey, you know, I was at my last job and my boss and I didn't see eye to eye. I made some decisions that he didn't agree with. He ended up firing me. It's been a challenge because you know the job market's tough. Been down on my luck. I would love to come work here, contribute to you. Let me show you what my work ethic looks like. Let me talk to you about the opportunities that I can create by coming to work for you. Uh, that's a different conversation than woe is me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm the victim. It all happened to me. It's just a different conversation. I mean, think about this. One of the things that we teach our employer clients to do is when they post an ad on Indeed, inevitably they're going to get a hundred applications happens when they use our ads, they're going to get way more applications than they've ever gotten before. Well, the employer is already short staffed. They're already working overtime. They're already pulled in a hundred different directions. 
A lot of our clients don't have a dedicated HR person. So it's the owner or the office manager, service manager is often doing it. They've got a full-time job on top of recruiting. So what inevitably, inevitably ends up happening is these people apply. And then in 10 days, someone's like, oh, I really got to fill that position. I'm going to carve out an hour. And I'm going to call these people. And they call them all. And nobody answers the phone. Nobody wants to interview. Well, why? Because if I'm down on my luck and I need a job 10 days from now, I was applying. I already got a job somewhere else. Mm. Don't call me 10 days later. Yeah. So what we do is we teach them how to set up a process so that when the application comes in, what it says is, hey, clearly we're short staff. That's why we're hiring. Like just put it out there. That's why we're hiring. We're growing. We have opportunities to serve new clients that we're not able to serve. That's why we're hiring. But that means we're also pulled in a bunch of different directions and things come up and it makes it really difficult for us to carve out time to sit down and call every single applicant that comes in. So here's what I want you to do. Here's my cell phone number. Text me the time that you want me to call you back so we can do a quick phone screen, phone interview. Mm. Okay. So, so what you've done now is you've taken those 100 applicants and you found the 15 or 20 that are actually ambitious and going to do something. Yeah. Because those are the ones that are going to text you. And now you've got a live applicant. Like you've got one on the hook. No one sits there and says, oh, I'll get to it later. Well, and that's a whole different story. But <laughs> most people don't sit there and say, I'll get to it later. They're like, I got one on the hook. I'm going to start reeling it in. I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. Same thing's going to happen when you get that text message. You'll look at that and go, I got a live one. Yeah, I, what I'm doing is not that important. I'm going to call him right now. Mm. And what we're, all we're doing is we're telling the applicant, hey, we're busy. We're short-staffed. We know it. We're being authentic, but that's why we're looking to hire someone like you. And you're ambitious enough to raise your hand and say, hey, come talk to me. And it starts creating a better relationship right off, right at the beginning, because they're showing their true colors. They're taking initiative. You're showing your true colors. Hey, we're busy. We're pulled in a hundred different directions. Like that's what you're going to be walking into. You're both being authentic, but you're not out there showboating. Neither one of you have to go out there and showboat in that situation. No, that make, makes a lot of sense. Um, so it kind of leads me to my next question. So yeah, you, you figured out how to do a great advertisement for getting people to apply to jobs. You have a bunch of great candidates coming your way. What are some good questions you help separate the cream of the crop from the cream of the crop? Like you have two, three, four really good candidates. You can only hire one of them. How And you've, you've already tested them. They're all capable. They can all do the work. How, how would you help separate truly the best one of the four or five, 10 of them? Yeah. So the, I think there's two things. Number one, most of our, most of the people we talk to don't have three or four awesome ones to choose from. Like that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, but there's four stages to the process. And at each stage, we're looking for something different. And this helps us eliminate people. So we're not spending too much time on somebody. The first thing we're doing is we are looking at the, what we call the, the pre-qualification step. That's the part where we say, okay, what are the things that are straight up non-negotiable? Like, I am not going to talk to this person if they can't do X, Y, and Z, or they don't believe this. And so that's usually a phone screen. That's usually how that shows up. Sometimes people do it via email or text, but a lot of times it's just a phone screen. Um, I'll tell you, a lot of the times positions that we're hiring for might be field positions. So they got to be able to have a valid driver's license and be able to drive. And if they can't, they can't hire them. Well, that's non-negotiable. Um, if you're hiring for a position that's bilingual and it has to be bilingual and they can't, they're not bilingual, that's non-negotiable, right? So those are some of the things you look at in the pre-qualification stage. Real quick, phone screen, you know, those 15 or so people that texted you and say, I'd love to talk to you, that's what you do there. The next step is culture fit. 
And it's, will they fit in our culture? Are we the team that they're looking for? Are we the boss that they've been looking for? Uh, so we really dig into culture fit. And so when we look at culture fit, what we want to do is we want to understand what values do they have? Behaviors do they have that align with ours? And what's that, what's that synergy going to look like? So um, one, of our, one of our clients, they have a, a core value of share the foxhole, mm-hmm. right? which is all about you're in this together. Like you've got to make sure that you're willing to sacrifice for somebody else because you're in this same thing together. Like we're all in the same boat together. And so we might have a conversation about, tell me about a time when you sat, made a sacrifice for another team member. And what was the outcome of that? What was the result of that? How'd that make you feel? And if you're like, oh, I don't sacrifice for other people. Well, that's a big red flag. You're probably not going to be a culture fit, mm-hmm. right? So that might be a culture question. And then the next step is position fit. And that's, can they do the job? Do they have the skills and abilities to do the job? This is one becomes very unique. But what I like to do here in position fit is I like to give them some real life work. It's a great example. I don't know if a lot of your listeners will be hiring customer service reps, for example. But that's one that we do a lot of. They hire customer service reps. And what they do is they bring the customer service rep in. They put them in the conference room and they have a face-to-face conversation with them. They're like, this person's awesome. Oh my gosh, we connect. I love it. And then you send them out on the phones and it's just a hot mess. It's a disaster. Because they've got great interpersonal skills face-to-face. They don't have great phone skills. Mm. So what I'd rather just say is during position fit, instead of doing a question, let's put them in the environment in which they're going to work and see how they perform. Mm. So do that interview over a phone. You can still invite them to the office. So you still meet them. You have a five minute, hey, here's what we're going to do. You're going to sit there and I'm going to call that phone number from another office and we're going to do the interview over the phone. Interesting. Now you get to see the phone skills. Mm-hmm. Right? You get to see how well they perform. Uh, and then the last step is what we call the, the, it's the offer meeting. Um, and what it is, is, is we call it the pullback offer because what happens in offers. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but I'm so excited. Like, Andrew, 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 I'm so excited. Um, we're making you the offer. We're going to pay you $27 an hour. You get two days or two weeks of PTO. When, you, when can you start? And that's usually how those meetings go. But what if I said, hey, Andrew, I want to make you the offer. And I start to slide the, the offer letter over to you. But before you grab it, I pull it back. I say, but before we get to that, I've got a few things that I want to do. I just want to have some conversation with you. And keep in mind, if at the end of this conversation, you still want the job, it's yours. Like I've already made the decision. I'm hiring you if you say yes. But before we get there, let's set some expectations with each other. Hmm. Back to that relationship analogy. You ever, moved, you ever moved in with someone before that wasn't immediate family member, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Whether you're moving in with the buddies or, or your girlfriend or, or your spouse, whatever, um, the first couple of months is always a little tricky. Mm-hmm. You know, who claims what shelf in the fridge? And do we drink out of the, the milk container? Is, is that my bag of chips, your bag of chips, or our bag of chips? Yeah. Uh, which way did the toilet paper go? You know, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Imagine before you moved in with them, you had a checklist of all these little annoying things. They're not deal breakers. But they're just things that are going to know each other for the next six months. And you just went through all of them. And I was like, which way does the toilet paper go? Oh, okay. Top over. Perfect. Check. Um, shoes. Do we wear them in the house or not? No, we don't wear them in the house. Okay, check. And you just went through this list. Hmm. How much easier would that first six months be? Much easier. <laughs> much easier. Yeah. You can do the same thing when you're hiring somebody. Exact same thing. Hmm. I, I shared with you that we're short-staffed. And so... Uh, one of the things that happens a lot around here is you don't get all the information you need to complete the work. 
It's going to happen. I'm going to be in a hurry. You're going to be asking me questions. I'm going to give you just a little bit, and then we go from there. How do we deal with that? Mm. What's your response to that? And we just set some expectations about the things that are going to drive each other nuts, but they aren't deal breakers. So those are some of the questions. That's, that's my approach to questions. It's less about a structured guide and more is adapting it to the client and their needs. I, I love that. Um, so just like, yeah, so understanding that, well, first, it's uh, uh, good to know too that uh, it is rare for people to have three, four, five people to choose from for like best of best. But then also, uh, yeah, like you said, if it gets down to the wire, just like having those tiny little details fleshed out, you can usually tell um, based on those tiny little details. And, uh, you know, a, a crazy example, too, uh, I did a um, some kind of uh, reporters conference when I was in high school. And uh, this guy named Chris Summer, he ended up being the host for uh, Slime, uh, Nickelodeon show. Yeah. He was talking about when he was going through the audition process, how it, he was neck and neck with this other guy. And uh, they the show had no idea who to choose because both of them fit the job description. They're incredible. They're amazing. But the only difference why this guy got selected is because after like the interview ended for like the practice session to see how they do with kids, he'd be like, all right. And uh, thank you for watching tonight versus the other guy is like, so uh, is the interview done now? <laughs> oh yeah. It's so, it's just so interesting. Like how every detail matters and just like the importance of acting like you already have the job before you have the job. Um, and how, how far that goes too in, in every step of the That's way. That's a big one. We do a lot of work, like I said, in blue collar. And when people show up dressed like they're ready to work, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't even have to ask the question. Oh, you got your steel-toed boots on? You got your PPE on? Like, you look like you're ready to work, even though it's just an interview. I mean, I, I need to start coaching job seekers, but I'm telling you, if you're a job seeker listening to this by any chance, <laughs> show up like you're ready to work. And that right there goes a long ways with employers. Like it's, it's a little thing. But one thing I will tell you, if you do get to the point where you got two or three people and they're all perfect, they're all identical. Now, our system, when you put in our process and you're keeping score along the way, it's very rare that this will happen. But if it does, one of the best ways to do it is to run a behavioral assessment. So you might have heard of DISC or culture index or predictive index in these behavioral assessments. I love running the behavioral assessment and then getting a real good feel for who it is that I'm hiring. Mm. Not necessarily using the assessments in the decision-making process, but if it's a tie, if it's between you know, the two of us and, one of, and the role does require a little bit more extroversion and one of us is a little more extroverted, we like to get out there and have fun and talk to people, well, that's going to sway somebody. And it may not show up. We both might be extroverts, but maybe you're a little more extroverted than I am. And so that assessment will be able to, to tell you that. So when you get that report back, you'll be able to have a really good idea of who's going to be the better fit. Oh, I love that. And I like how you said too, how you're like, oh, I definitely need to help more or job seekers a little bit too. <laughs> so let's talk about that a little bit, like as a job seeker, how you can help stand out. So we talked about, you know, show up ready to work and obviously have a, a great, great resume. And, and it sounds like it's not just having a great resume, but a, uh, a creative resume that showcases your personality and who you are and what you stand for. Um, but what else would you tell job seekers to help stand out when they're applying for ideal positions? So I think, and this is, I'm going to do my best to make this just blanket regardless of the position, but your personal brand matters. So if on the weekends you go do cake stands and smoke some weed and you post it all over social media 
guess what? 90 plus percent <laughs> of employers are searching you out on social media. So unless everything is completely private, they're going to see that. Mm-hmm. Your personal brand matters. So when you're in the point where you're starting to look for a job and you're serious about it, not everybody's serious, but if you're serious about it, take a step back and say, if I was hiring me, what would I see that I don't like online? And go clean it up. And maybe it just means maybe you don't want to delete your Facebook page or your Instagram page. Maybe you just set it private. That's mm-hmm. all you got to do. Now, the employer may ask, hey, I noticed that your page is private. That's kind of curious. Just know there are rules around whether or not they're allowed. Certain states, there are rules. But anyways, think of your personal brand. Another thing, an easy tip. So let's say you're still employed and you've got a job and you're working the seven to four shift or whatever. And you've been applying for jobs at night. Well, guess what? Employers aren't going to see that till seven or eight o'clock the next morning. Mm. They're going to call you at 830 in the morning. They're going to leave you a voicemail. Well, imagine you just said, hey, you went and you changed your voicemail greeting. And you just said, hey, if you're calling to schedule an interview, I want to let you know that Monday through Friday, I work from seven to four. I get lunch between 12 and one. Happy to call you back between 12 and one or after four. When you leave the voicemail message, just let me know which time works better for you. Like, do you know how impressive that would be to an employer? Yeah, yeah, seriously. And that's something simple you can do. And the, your friends are going to be like, dude, your voicemail greeting is weird. Well, yeah, I'm looking for a job and I'm serious about it. Mm-hmm. And then when you get the job, you switch it back. But little things around branding could be so powerful for a job seeker that really is going to make them stand out. Because your goal as a job seeker is to not look like everybody else that's applying. Your job is to look different. Hmm. No, it's so true. No, I, I love that. Just like how many extra details and extra steps you're taking, making sure your social media is on point, changing your voicemail, um, and just, uh, yeah, it's showcasing, yeah, people hire you for your brand, not just for your skills. And so, like, like what you said, sending out every chance you get. Um, I'm curious to... Uh, what kind of tools and uh, yeah, we'll do both sides of the coin too, but as a, obviously besides using your tools, the core matters system and processes um, as an, besides indeed as an employer, what are the kind of tools you recommend people do use to, and um, I think you mentioned too, using the, the disc um, behavior assessments or things like that. Yeah. What other tools and resources do you recommend employers use when they're hiring candidates? Yeah. So the most critical tool that everybody should use, and I don't care if you're a, the one man shop, or you've got a hundred employees or a thousand employees. The one tool that everybody should use if you're hiring is an applicant tracking system. Hmm. Applicant tracking system is the way to go. Um, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of them out there. So don't ask me the best one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what I will tell you is we we have a few that we really like, and it really just depends on your needs. Uh, so I'll put this out there. If anybody just wants to shoot me an email through my contact page and say, hey. Here's what I'm thinking, what applicant tracking system, I'm happy to direct them Uh, because it is a really critical tool in the recruiting process. The cool thing about it is it's like a CRM. So not only does it set up your pipeline and send you reminders and automatically send emails and text messages and all that, but when you take that job ad that I was talking about and you post it into your ATS, your applicant tracking system, it sends it to all the job boards for free. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you get on Indeed, you get on ZipRecruiter, you get on Monster, Career Builder, you get on all of them for free. Wow. And so when everybody applies now, instead of you managing an inbox or different websites, all the applications come to your ATS. 
They're all in one place. What's a, what, do you have a, like a top three uh, ATS that's your favorite or top three you recommend? Um, you know, one that I really like is Applicant Pro. Hmm. I really like Applicant Pro. Um, we put a lot of our clients on it. In fact, if you, and I'm just going to share this with the listeners as well, if you want Applicant Pro, if you go through us, because we're an affiliate with Applicant Pro, when they set up your instance, they dump all of our templates in there for you too. Nice. Okay. So it's kind of an incentive to, to, to reach out to me and say, hey, hook me up with Applicant Pro. Like, let me know who your contact is. Um, and uh, we really like them. I, what I, here's what I say about Applicant Pro. They are the best all around, pretty much will fit any company, ATS that I found. They're one of those though that, are there people that do things better than them? Yes. So if you need hardcore text messaging, there are other systems are out there. If you have recruiting teams, like big teams, and you need to be able to share access and permissions, there are other systems out there that do that better. If you need uh, integrations with your HRIS and payroll and all that, there are other systems. Although Applicant Pro does have some of those. Um, so like that's why I said the right system for you is really dependent. But here's what I'll say. When somebody says, what's the best one? The best one is the one that your team uses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you ask me about ATSs or behavioral assessments or any of that stuff, what's the one your team uses? That's the best one out there. So um, ATS is one of them. I love behavioral assessments. Um, one of them that I really like is Colby, K-O-L-B-E. I've heard of that one. Uh, and here's why I like Colby. So it's a little different take on it. It's less of the why and more of the how. <laughs> There's probably a Colby person listening going, you're explaining it wrong. <laughs> here's why I like it. Um, you're, you get a report, but what you get is four numbers. So you have four numbers. So I'm a 3296. And once you know Colby, if you know what that first number means, the second number, the third number, the fourth number means, you know how to communicate with me. You know how to share details with me. You know how uh, to involve me in projects. You, you know so much just by knowing those four numbers and what they mean. And the reason I like it is we work with a lot of teams that are busy, they don't have time to read 40-page reports to understand each other. So they just walk around wearing stickers with the four numbers on it. And all of a sudden, you know how to engage and interact with your team. That's why I really like Colby. And it's pretty inexpensive as well. <coughs> I love it. And then on the flip side of the coin, what about for job seekers? What tools, resources do you recommend uh, for them? Um, so with the, with the, one of the things I will tell you for resources... If you're serious about your career, and especially if you're moving up or you're moving into an industry that maybe you don't have a lot of experience with, I, see, I run into a lot of people, especially that are working hourly right now, and they're like, I really want that next step in my career, but no one's really giving me the shot. And so maybe they start applying for things that they aren't quite yet qualified for. This is going to be tough to hear, but when you're a job seeker, pick the role that you want to get. So let's say that you decided that you wanted to be a financial analyst. Let's say that's what you wanted. What I want you to do is I want you to only apply for financial analyst positions. And then I want you to tailor your resume to each job you apply for. Because here's the reality. When you are looking for a specific job, the ATSs help us screen your resume. And we look for certain keywords and we look for certain phrases. And if we don't have those, then what ends up happening is we end up ignoring you and saying, well, they didn't have what I was looking for anyways. Mm. And we move on. 
And if you can write a resume directly for that specific job, you'll be leg up. In fact, it's kind of funny because I was doing this to make a point with employers on why resumes aren't really good anymore. Don't put a lot of weight in resumes. But uh, I went to ChatGPT. There's a video on LinkedIn. You can find it. Uh, where I went to ChatGPT and I said, I want a resume that will guarantee I get this job. And I sent it the link to the job and ChatGPT rated a resume with metrics, measurements, everything. And all the keywords that were needed for that job. Now, I didn't apply for it. But the point wow, was... that's so cool. ChatGPT is a useful tool if you're a, if you're a job seeker. Oh, that's a great example. So, so say that again. So you, you found a job description link, put it in the chat GPT and says, create the best resume based on this job description. I think it was something along the lines. Like, like I said, you can go watch the video, but it was, it was something along the lines of, here's the link to a job that I want to apply for. Pretend oh, that you have five years experience doing this job. Write me a resume that will guarantee I get this job based on the keywords in the job description. Something like that. And I hit go. And this resume, I was like, this is a good resume. <laughs> um, but my point was, I was telling employers, this is why you can't trust resumes. So yeah. don't make your decisions based off resumes because job seekers can cheat the system. Mm. But on the same token, I also know that a lot of job seekers never hear from employers because they don't have good resumes. Yeah. <laughs> so if ChatGPT can get you a leg up and help you get more, uh, more app interviews, then why not? It's, it's a great tool. I definitely think that, because uh, I think, so I love talking about AI and, and all the innovation that comes with it. And it's too bad that people are, are still afraid to use it. Um, so I still think that if you are a savvy enough person who actually knows what you're talking about for the jobs you're applying for, I would definitely recommend using ChatGPT because I think a lot of people still, A, don't want to use it and then don't, or don't know how to use it or they're too afraid to leverage it. Um, I, I did see a Reddit post <laughs> about a guy who, um, was a, was doing cover letters um, using ChatGPT for all these jobs, and he kept getting invited to all these interviews. He's like, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Life's so tough. Everyone wants to offer me a job all the time, but just because of ChatGPT, life's so tough for me. We're like, oh, man. You <laughs> now, here's the thing man. that I will warn you as a job seeker. If you let ChatGPT put, develop a resume for you, make sure that you can back it up because yeah. that employer will hire you and they will learn that you lied to them. Yeah, it's no good. <laughs> and there have been some people that have actually gotten sued by employers for lying about degrees and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So be very careful using these tools. Make sure you read it. <laughs> make sure yeah. you read it. And make sure it sounds like you. And that's one of the things that we encourage employers to do too. If you're going to use ChatGPT to help you write a job ad, like it'll only going to get you so far. Because it's not going to understand your culture or any of that stuff. You're going to have to add those things. So just make sure it's authentic. That's the, that's the key there. No, 100%. I, I, and uh, I'm, I'm watching the show Suits right now. And uh, it's a perfect example. Like the main character, like he never went to Harvard, but he's like so good at his job. And so it, it's, a, it's this whole dynamic thing. But I, I agree. Tell the truth uh, where you can. But Obviously, uh, I don't know if you're, if you're a kid genius and you're bringing a bunch of money to the firm, then I don't know. Maybe hopefully they'll advocate for you. At some you know, point. that's the thing. Like I look at tools like ChatGPT as a way to make us more efficient. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not more effective, but more efficient. Oh, like yeah. why spend time researching how to write a resume when they didn't teach me that in school when ChatGPT can help me get started? Yeah, exactly. But like I said, don't take what it spits out and just deliver that because you'll get caught. You got to make sure you go through it. No, 100%. 
Well, I know we have a few minutes left here, so I have a, a last couple questions. Yeah. Um, one of them is, as, what are the non-negotiable actions as an entrepreneur to be successful? Mm. You know, I think that the, the one thing that comes to my mind is stop being everything to everyone. It's really hard to develop a process and create systems and train your team when you do a little bit of everything. And I run a lot. I see a lot of entrepreneurs do this. I made the mistake. I still make that mistake today. I still want to do too much. Right? Like here I am talking about job seekers. I'm like, we don't even have products for them. But that might be a good idea. <laughs> right? Like really make sure you take control of your shiny object syndrome and stop being everything to everyone. I think that's one of the things is really focus. Someone asked me uh, last month, they said, if you could go back 10 years and convince yourself something that you know today, what would it be? And I would say, it'd be niche early and niche deep. Mm -hmm. because the more you niche, not only can you create more uh, market share, like just you stand out more, but also it makes it so much easier to develop a team, develop your systems, create a process, remain profitable the deeper you niche. I love that. And then the next question is, uh, what's, let's see here. I have a few questions I'm looking at right now, but I actually want you to talk about uh, the freebie that uh, you want to offer the audience listening in today. Uh, I saw if they go to corematters.com slash rapid results, tell us what uh, you get with that. Yeah. So we've got uh, a couple of chapters of my new books. I have a book coming out in six weeks. I can't believe it. So you might be listening to this and the book's already out. It's called Hire Better People Faster. It is an overview of our entire process. I teach you everything. Like I pull back the kimono. I'm like, this is how we do it. This is what we do. And uh, really excited. That's going to be out on, on print, uh, Kindle, and audiobook. And then uh, you also get our two-minute survey around recruiting roadblocks. So recruiting roadblocks is one of those things where you um, there, there are mistakes that every single employer makes. They just, they just make them. And inside of this survey, which by the way, it's 14 questions, and it takes you two minutes, it will help you diagnose exactly what you need to do to get to that next level in your recruiting results. Uh, and so, we, so we've got that there. We've also got a 10-minute masterclass that gives you a quick overview of our model and some of our tools that we use. And I look at it this way. You, you mentioned it earlier. I do this because there are so many entrepreneurs out there that are like my dad. And we're working crazy hours and not getting the things they wanted with their family and those sorts of things. I, I would give all this away for free if I knew people would actually use it. So I want to give you tools. I want to give you things that'll help you get better hiring results, but also be able to retain and keep those people as well. Because that's another big challenge for a lot of people. So yeah, when you go to that page, you will be able to download those three things, get access to them and uh, get you some information on, on how this whole thing works. Oh, thank, thank you for that. No, I'm de yeah, so those listening in, obviously, Ryan's done a lot of golden nuggets today. So I can only imagine uh, how he's going to keep providing more by going to corematters.com slash rapid results. And then the last two questions, uh, Ryan, how can we get a hold of you? How can we contact you and connect with you? So if you want to reach out to me personally, Ryan England on LinkedIn, super easy to find. Um, you can Google search me. I've been making it a personal effort to get the first page of Google. Uh, but now Google makes it. So when you scroll, the page just keeps going, but I'm working on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But pretty easy to, to find me there. But if you want to learn more about what it is that we do, corematters.com 
Uh, not only get access to masterclass, download books. We've got other things that you can download as well. I've got another book that I wrote just on interviewing. There's a lot of great free resources there on our website. Plus, if you want to meet with me and my team to learn more about how we can help you implement the CoreFit hiring system, you can contact us through that site as well. All right, perfect. And then the last question is, Brian, what's the one takeaway you want someone to have from this interview today? I think that it goes back to when I was talking about playing the victim. If you're struggling to attract good people, and you're struggling to hire and find good people, realize that you do have control, that you are not the victim. Sometimes it's easier to play the victim than it is to take ownership, but just know that you have control to fix this. It might be a labor shortage. It might be a tough job market. There might be competition that's paying more than you. You still will find the best people when you take the time to take ownership and make it happen. I love that. Wise words indeed. Well, thank you again, Ryan, for coming on the show today. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week for another episode of Rapid Results. Take care, everyone. That concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.